Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor, Mead, Middle, and Mayhem. I'm James. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Jody. Jody's in London. (laughs) (laughs) When you offered to let me go ahead and introduce it, I was like, what what does he have planned? (laughs) Uh, uh, came, Came to me spur of the moment. Right before you ask me if you, <laughs> we <Nice>. should start. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't figure out, this spooky season episode is not just werewolves, but an American werewolf. Yes. An American werewolf in London. Yes. Not Paris. No, no, that's a different. Yes. Well, at first it's a different American werewolf movie, and I, I don't think you're talking about One Night in Paris either, right? No. Okay. Or Last Tango in Paris. Or that one. No, no. 40th anniversary of An American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Released 19, well, 81, obviously. <laughs> yep. And I'll be honest, I've got my notes all sort of scattered. I tried to get them ordered, and then I added more. And I probably, I'm sure I have the release date in here someplace. So we'll we'll get to that eventually if Jody doesn't already have it. <laughs> um, I, I don't, but why don't you go ahead and talk and I'll look it up. <laughs> well, um, I've got it in here. I just was going to start going through notes and... Because we, we always interrupt each other enough that sometimes I haven't worried about putting my notes in a certain order. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, but, but I do have a good start while, while you look it okay. up, if, if you want to look it up. I was going to say, it's not the first movie to merge horror and comedy. Because this movie is, is supposed to be funny and scary. Yeah. But Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Came out in 1948, quite a bit earlier. And then we have young Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> 1974 with Mel Brooks so it's not the first but yeah I, I would say it is the first that while keeping the comedy still really lean into the horror it wasn't just a it wasn't a comedy film with the horror background it's a horror film that has comedy in it yes when I say it's the first one in my opinion I'm, there might be others that aren't as well known that I've never seen but you know that's why I say yeah. my opinion ha. yes Oh, we just missed, as of this recording, we just missed the uh, actual release date by a couple weeks. No, really? Was it August? Uh, August, maybe? August 21st. Because <laughs> I had a, I have a note with that, with uh, something metal related. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're recording this very early September. So yeah, we missed it by about 15 days-ish. Something like that. Be that as it may. <laughs> I'm going to uh, I'm going to give a couple of quotes from the movie now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because these are the things I found hilarious. So it, it kept the comedy while leaning into the horror way more than others. Yes, my favorite damn line is, "You know what? Maybe we should wait. Let's wait." Well, shouldn't shouldn't we shouldn't we talk about who directed it and who starred in it? Well, we can do all those things. I've got all those notes in here, but you know, it's um, we could. So if you have that, yes, let's. Well, it was directed by John Landis. who um, had directed National Lampoon's Animal House. Blues Brothers. Both of those movies were right before he did An American Werewolf in London. And the studio kind of thought that's what they were going to get. Didn't they even want him to ask Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi? Yes. Yes, they did. (laughs) (laughs) That would not have been near as good. I love those Uh, two together, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, And the thing was... I, I think he kind of approached them, even though he really didn't want to, but they were 
both busy working on the movie Neighbors at the time. So neither one of them was, would have been available anyway. It, but I, I definitely agree with you. I don't, because if you put Belushi and Ackroyd in there, then it definitely becomes a comedy. So who else? Or did you have more on John Landis? Frank Oz is in it. He is. He is in it. He's, uh, should we give some background on the movie first? Um, well, I kind of thought that's what we were doing. <laughs> well, I mean, just the quick synopsis, like a real quick synopsis. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. So, so uh, two Americans uh, backpacking through London uh, yeah. find their way, and, and we'll talk more about a lot of this, but real brief, get attacked by a werewolf. One of them dies. The other gets mm-hmm. hurt, who, of course, becomes the American werewolf. Uh, this, yes. this is not a shock. This is the 40th anniversary, so spoilers. No, you've had ample time to watch this. <laughs> uh, Strangely enough, we both just watched this a couple weeks ago. <laughs> we did. We, you know, For the yeah. first time. So when we say Frank Oz, because this will match up, when the, 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 the American who didn't die wakes up in the hospital, the American, I, I doubt he's the actual ambassador, but the guy from the you know, American embassy comes, and that's he's kind of weird and <laughs> weird, but that's it's Frank Oz, and I didn't even recognize him at first. It, it was funny because um, a couple of days ago, I, I read a, an interview with Frank Oz. He didn't mention this movie in particular, but I, I mean, the, 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 the woman that interviewed him, you know, she asked him about the Muppets and Sesame Street and, you know, stuff like that. But then she asked him about some of the movies that he had directed. But she did ask him about some of the movies where he, you know, uh, got, got to be actually on camera instead of, you know, doing a, a performing a puppet because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't like to be called a puppeteer. He likes to be called a performer when it comes to that in the interview they mentioned the blues brothers and a couple other movies but they i don't think they mentioned this one but he he said yeah he, he said uh, um i and i guess it was john landis that that would cast him a lot of times in these movies um he, he said yeah john like like for me to play the asshole <laughs> <laughs> and, and the character was a little bit of a jerk in in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah a little bit yeah but he's only in that one scene just in that one scene but speaking of the muppets uh-huh Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy are also in this film. They are. And get credited as themselves in the credits. <laughs> they, they are because that was, that was a scene that had actually been shot for an episode of The Muppet Show, but was not, I think that scene got cut in the American broadcast of The Muppet Show. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's not cut. So what happens is, is he's having, the, the American has a dream and his younger siblings are watching The Muppet Show and it shows a, punch and judy thing going on in the muppets with yeah. the beauregard doing the the punch and judy that jody and i've talked about in previous episodes yeah which means we need to take a drink and we'll talk about what beers we're having here in a second oh, uh, yes. but it's uh what they did was they would actually film little uk spots because the uk showed two minutes less of commercials than the u.s did so they had to always make another extra spot or two that would only air in the uk so it wasn't cut from the u.s so much as filmed and- specifically for the uk Ah, okay. And since it was a Punch and Judy thing, it would actually make more sense in the UK than it would have here in the US. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. so, I get that. Yeah. yeah. And so, by the way, if anybody wants to see the episode, uh, because from what I've seen, I, I didn't have time to watch it. It says Disney Plus actually shows them up a show with the UK spots, but this particular episode is episode 508, Senior Winces. Ah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, I thought it was the Senior Winces episode. Yep, which uh, just because it's episode 508, I think it was the 15th episode to air. So I think it's season five, episode 15, even though it's called 508, I think. Yeah, it's kind of neat because they had Frank Oz, who 
is a performer with the Muppets and mm-hmm. also is the original voice of Yoda and current yes. voice of Yoda in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Mention the two American characters um, outside of Frank Oz's Mr. Collins, the guy from the, the American Embassy. David Naughton is, is the, the main star of the movie. He, he plays David Kessler. Um, he's, the, he's the American college student who gets bitten and becomes a werewolf. And then uh, Griffith, Griffin Dunn plays Jack Goodman, who's his friend, who gets killed by the, the first werewolf and uh, keeps showing up as, a, as an undead. This, so this is where I wanted, I thought what you said was good because some of my quotes have to do with, with those two because Jack comes back as an undead. <laughs> Jack comes back. <laughs> because he can't move on to the afterlife. He's cursed to walk the earth as an undead until the werewolf line is extinguished and David's going to be the last and Jack keeps trying to tell him to kill himself because otherwise he's going to go out and kill people as a werewolf. And yeah, <laughs> so he gets more and more undead like as he goes the first time he's he's just bloody and ripped up skin and mangled and and <laughs> so one of my favorite quotes and i said i made my own meme on this and sent it to jody uh-huh. they're talking and he's all mangled and david goes i will not be threatened by walking meatloaf <laughs> just, uh, and then, yeah and of course, that was funny then of course later on when he's transforming he goes i didn't mean to call you a meatloaf jack <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, but their their interactions. So I'm assuming it doesn't really come up specifically, but I'm assuming they're they're Jewish, because they are. Yes, uh, yeah. the, one of the nurses when she sees David mentions that he's circumcised and, and kind of hints that he's Jewish. But they call each other putts, and you know Jewish terms. <laughs> but, yeah. It, it. Well, I I thought several times there were references to David at least being Jewish, outside of that. Well, it could have been, and I missed it. It's hard to tell. But so with their uh, interactions together are like best friends. Like Jack goes, David, you're hurting my feelings. Hurting your feelings? Has it occurred to you that it might be unsettling to see you arise from the grave to visit me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, uh, their scenes together were just awesome. I love those. And, and okay, so the, the, first time, the first time we see Jack as an undead, he, he just looks ripped up, right? Yeah, yeah, just shredded skin hanging off in blood all over. So the funny thing was, they, they Griffin Dunn's makeup for that first scene as, as undead Jack, part of the makeup came loose and was just hanging there. And John Landis just kind of left it. Is that why it was so hanging? makeup fix it. Huh? Yes. Oh, I thought he, it looked Because good he thought way. it made it, it did. He thought it made it look gorier. So they just left it. That was perfect. <laughs> uh, watch it. You'll see exactly what I, as soon as you said that, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. At the, at the, the final time you see him, it's actually a puppet and he's actually sitting behind it doing the dialogue. I wonder, cause it looked like the mouth was more of a nutcracker type of thing instead of yeah. a human. And by here, he's a, pretty much a sort of a petrified skeletal thing right like dusty skeleton man almost almost Almost, yeah i mean there's some there's skin but it's it's real dry and green dried yeah dusty desiccated yeah (laughs) desiccated Woo! oh yeah quarter (laughs) i do have one more quote an actual quote but it it can be safe till later because it's it's, all right it's better later maybe 
Well, no, you know what? I'm just going to say it. And if it comes up later, it's fine. Little kid. A naked American man stole my balloons. <laughs> that, was, that was great. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> if we go scene by scene, I don't really know. Like, we'll just start talking. I've got certain notes and other things that aren't certain notes. So <laughs> it's yeah. Just, you know, well, here. He's a werewolf. So, of course, he transforms. When he wakes up in the morning, he's naked. He's at a zoo. And he goes, he's, he hides in a bush. He goes, little kid, come here. I'll give you a pound, <laughs> like money, you know? Yeah. Okay. This, this is from the early eighties because. <laughs> still you you couldn't do that now. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess a piece of trivia I read because he's uh -huh. naked running around. The woman that he runs by was not told he was going to be naked when he ran by. So her reaction is actually her reaction. <laughs> yeah those scenes took longer than they thought they would they were they were filming at at the zoo before the zoo was supposed to open and the zoo opened is that why they're so busy i kind of wondered <laughs> and he was he was still running around and he didn't know that the zoo had opened and he's still running around naked <laughs> so the first scene they're dropped off of a, a sheep truck like a, a shepherd you know, is yeah. taking a sheep someplace and then you give him a ride and they stop at some crossroads and he goes over there, you know, he said, you can go over this way, over this way, but stay off the moors and, and stuff. Jack and David go to uh, the local village and they see the slaughtered lamb an English pub. First, you know, I've mentioned in a few episodes, I've been reading a ton about English and Irish pubs this past year. And this is spot on. This exact sort of thing seems to exactly be what it would be like if two outsiders in the 80s went to an English pub in a little tiny village and just showed up being all American. <laughs> uh-huh. Speaking of pubs, though, what are you drinking, my good man? I am having a Samuel Smith's Nut Brown Ale because it is one of the few English beers I could fucking find. <laughs> so how do you like it? I mean, you've had it before, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's really good. I, I've always liked I, I haven't had anything from Samuel Smith's that I don't like. Yeah, same. I, I, I actually love their nut browns. My Probably my favorite nut brown I've ever had. Love their Imperial Stout. Love their, their Pale Ale's good, even if it's not my favorite. Their Winter Welcome I get every year, winter, winter time. Their yeah. Oatmeal Stout is fantastic. You told me what you're going to have. And I actually have another beer that is a little more apropos for the episode. But since yeah. it's not going to take me long to get through my first beer, I'll talk about that one in a minute when I open it. But for now, okay. because you said you're having a nut brown ale, uh -huh. because we say, hey, well, you know, the first scene is, is a slaughtered lamb. It's an English pub. What kind of English thing? And, and I actually have a nut brown ale also right now. Oh, nice. But not a Samuel Smith's? Not Samuel Smith's. It's an English style, but it is made here in Indiana at Zwanzig's Brewing down in Columbus, Indiana. Huh. It's really good. It's a 525 nut brown ale. I, I enjoyed one last night. No, no, I do tell a lie. I enjoyed two last night. <laughs> well, no, you were you weren't wrong. That's true. If I enjoyed two, I enjoyed one. That's right. <laughs> it's called enumeration. Learn it. <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying it quite nice because I, I did tell Jody that amazingly, out of my five pages of notes, a good one of these pages actually talks about the beer that they're serving at this pub. <laughs> nice well guinness guinness is one guinness they, they serve guinness and and you don't yes. actually see that tap really up front but later on when 
David's doctor goes to to talk to them. He, yeah. he orders well. He orders something. They don't have it. Uh, ginger beer or something. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then he gets a half so again. Yeah, then he gets, gets, and then he doesn't finish drinking it. <laughs> we were both so sad because it's a waste. I'm sure, I'm sure the actor probably finished it after the scene, but <laughs> or he could have finished. He only takes it. one or two sips, and it's like, what? No, 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 no! You have to finish that. Come on. <laughs> it's probably a filming thing because if they had to do multiple takes, he didn't want to do more than a couple sips each time. <laughs> that's that's probably true too. Even if it's Guinness after ten takes, whew yeah so so here here's some notes on on the thing and then i'll get to the the beer too but one to mention the stay off the moors is told to the boys by the truck the the lorry shepherd guy and mm -hmm. uh people in the actual pub when they start to leave because they they kind of they they're, they're decent and they ask for food there's not really food they get some tea you know they because they don't have much that they want but then yeah. they they they're joking around but then they ask about this pentagram on the wall because they see it and they're like, what the hell is a pentagram doing there? And that makes all the people mad. And they tell them to get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. But they do say stay off the moors, which is a very huge nod to English folklore and Sherlock Holmes and all that's English countryside. Yeah. yeah. The outside Moreland scene was filmed in the Irwood and East Proctor area in the Black Mountains of Wales, which those names were on the signpost in the movie. Yeah. And We've talked about the Black Mountains in the Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I need to take a drink for Black that. Black Hill Country. Yeah. Uh, but the pub's exterior was a private house in Crickadarn, which is actually six miles southeast of Booth, dressed up to look like a pub. But the, uh, the and this is all in, in sort of that same Welsh area. But, but the churchyard and phone box that were there were real that they showed that the the doctor actually used the phone later right no 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 he didn't he's getting in the car i'm thinking of david when he calls out from a, a oh yeah yeah. Right. I, yeah okay yeah i knew there was a phone box used yeah. yeah yeah no you're right yeah that was later in the movie yeah i screwed that up <laughs> i don't care i'm leaving it in <laughs> uh the interior uses part of the black swan in Ockham, which is in the surrey area just a bit southwest of london though so the inside part was filmed near london and, hmm. and we used to actually have a Black Swan pub, brew pub. They brew their own beers in the Indianapolis area, but it went under a year or two ago. Uh -huh. I don't I don't know if it went under during COVID or before COVID. Hmm. That's a, so it's on that's the far yeah, it's on the far side from me, so I didn't make it there very often. Oh. So the beer. The beer here at the slaughtered lamb, which by the way, I'm kind of sad. I after watching this movie, I ordered a slaughtered lamb pint glass. It still hasn't come. Hopefully it'll Aww. it'll arrive before Halloween. But anyway, Cascale, woo! Looks like they have Cascale, maybe, I can't tell. But I did pause the image <laughs> uh, and took a couple screenshots of the different things they had. The, the big one that you can see real easy is Martlet's Brighton Bitter, which actually was a real brewery in Eastbourne, East Sussex, from 1979 to 1983. So oh, during the time of nice. filming. Yeah. Yeah. Taken over by Tisbury in 1982, but, you know, didn't last long then. Hmm. Which does make sense for near London Brewery, the filming location, but not so much for the in-story Welsh pub. <laughs> Who would have thought? Nerds. Well, people outside of the UK were never going to pick that up. <laughs> the original gravity. Okay, so here you go. Here's where I went kind of deep. The original gravity of this beer was 1036, giving it an ABV of around 3.5% if the fermentation process worked really, really well. 
That's not much. <laughs> well, no, but it's it's the English bitter. They're supposed to be loaded yeah. concession. And you can go in and have two or three at lunch and you know, or throughout the day and go back to work and you're okay. That's cool. Remember all my rants of when Americans call their beers session ales and they're four point five or five percent. That doesn't yeah. mean you can sit there and drink and drink and drink in a session. It means you can drink during a session and then go back to work if you need to, fuckers. <clears throat> anyway. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Other beers from this real brewery included Brighton Best, another bitter around 4%. <laughs> Brighton's uh-huh. special bitter around 4%. Regency bitter around 5%. The one I really wish I knew what it was, there's one called Old Devil, which clocked in around 6%, which is pretty high for an English brew at the time. So I'm kind of assuming it's like an English strong or old ale because of the name, but could also be a winter warmer. I don't know. I couldn't find couldn't find it. Martlets, by the way, because it's Martlets, Brighton Bitter Martlets was the, the name of the brewery, is a mythical bird in English heraldry. It doesn't have feet, so it never roosts and flies from birth till death. Hmm. Except there's more. <laughs> also in that same thing when the boys go up to the bar and order it from the landlady, the publican, you can see an advertisement for Big head, the pint that thinks it's a quart. <laughs> it comes in pints. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, it's from Whitbread Brewing. Uh, this was Whitbread Trophy Bitter. And that much overflowing foam actually seems more like a pouring issue to me than something to be proud of. And yeah, but that, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but Whitbread was founded in 1742 in London, is still around. And I've had their Mackeson Triple X Stout, and it's pretty damn good. So that is my beer stuff in the slaughtered lamb. All right. Then they piss the the locals off and they start traipsing away and accidentally go into the moors where they're not supposed to be. How do you, uh, that that was the only thing that, that that bothered me was how do you notice you even stepped off the road, or how do you, how do you not notice that? I mean, I, I get that it was dark, but still. <laughs> maybe but in 80s rural wells maybe maybe it was just like a dirt road and it was kind of easy to then i know there's a difference between a road and moors because there's not as much vegetation and pretty soon you see them tromping through but you know they're they're not paying attention they don't really think there's a big deal about it and they're just talking and joking around because they're talking about a girl right yeah yeah jack wants to go back and have sex with this certain girl and they're talking about her and all of a sudden before you know it they hear some sort of growling and animal sound and they go fuck we're on the moors <laughs> <laughs> yeah see that was um when they were talking about her i think that was one of those parts where i i thought they had made a reference to being jewish yeah they could have i, I don't know now i'll just have to watch it again <laughs> so do, do you have anything on the moors other than the fact this is where the werewolf kicks jack's ass and slices up david a bit the locals the, the barmaid and that's actually how she was listed was barmaid. Uh, yeah, she's listed as barmaid, but she should be called a landlady because it looks like it's her bar. Yeah, I, so, I would agree with that. But she <laughs> she kind of... She, she I, I, guilts and, yes. and demonstrates the men in the bar. And, yeah, so, so they go, yeah, so they go out to look for, for David and Jack and they, they manage to kill the werewolf while it's attacking David after it's already killed Jack. But because it's already bitten David, he's... And, and that's where it's kind of weird. You don't really see the werewolf here. You just see sort of a 
some animal attack him. And then David yeah. looks over and he sees a man laying yeah. there instead. So, you know. I thought they did. They showed enough of the wolf attacking Jack. Tell that's kind of what it was. Yeah, you do know what it is. Of course, it's yeah. called an American werewolf in London. So you can yes. assume it's a werewolf attacking them. Uh, although this would have been the Welsh werewolf on the moors. <laughs> That's right. Because the American werewolf goes to London here soon. <laughs> <laughs> Welsh wolf and... Wow, that's a lot of Ws. <laughs> the Welsh werewolf from Wales, which yes. would be redundant because he's Welsh. <laughs> so, anyway, David wakes up in the hospital. <laughs> would it be a Welsh wolf? It's a Welsh wolf. Which is different than Welsh rarebit. Yes. Sorry for the cheesy pun. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Zinga. <laughs> now, now our five listeners are going, the fuck's he talking about looking up Welsh rarebit and going, hey, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, wakes up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Unless you had more puns. No. Okay. A <laughs> couple nurses there, one of which is one of the main stars of the film. Yes. Uh, what, Alex, right? Nurse Alex? Nurse Alex. Uh, well, it, it's Nurse Alex Price. So uh, it's, it's Nurse Price. And uh, yeah. Yeah. But they, but I think they, they always just refer to her as Nurse Alex, I think. Uh, I think I the think doctor right. calls her Nurse Price, but everybody else calls her, yeah, Nurse Alex or just Alex. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, nurse is there. The doctor comes in. That's where Frank Oz comes in that we talked mm-hmm. about. But so right before we get to her, David is insisting that something weird is going on because why did he wake up in London when he's attacked out there? And mm-hmm. there's you know, no indication of who attacked them. They thought maybe just a, well, not an animal. They thought it was a psychotic, you know, man. Or at when, least that's what they're saying. Yeah, that's what they're saying, even though David has obvious claw marks. <laughs> it, and he's saying it was some sort of a creature. creature it was some yeah. sort of a, a, an animal. Anyway, uh, did you have more on that? Or, or can we talk about Jenny? Let's talk about Jenny. Nurse Alex Price, played by Jenny Ugeter. And I know I'm mispronouncing that because um, uh, I'm making it a little more guttural than it is. Yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so you say then, asshole. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, I will not. I refuse. <laughs> uh, so, so I've got some notes on her herself before we talk about her character, whatever we may talk about that. But she was in Logan's run before this, a very well-known sci-fi show, uh, movie. Yep. Uh, it's 1976. Red Dwarf BBC comedy. That's one that I, that was one of the things I tried to get Jody to watch more in our live from the uh, pair in episode. Yeah. He was in an episode, one episode of that. She is in two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Uh, she's in the Avengers and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And she is part of the um, the World Security Council, Councilwoman Holly. Nice. When, when she was younger, uh, evidently she was known for doing a lot of nude scenes. Yeah, and she does one in this movie, but um, unfortunately, none of the shots were done in such a way that you see anything. <laughs> so if you do, uh, and I get my information from a BBC show called Coupling. It's a comedy that's sort of a Friends-like type of thing. It's it's hilarious as fuck it's way more raunchy than friends yeah in in this uh, the, so coupling three boys three women uh, but the guys are talking and they're talking about nudity in movies and my favorite character jeff is talking she goes jenny ugger oh yes jenny ugger's consistent jenny ugger's like a brand name of screen nudity 
even in Logan's run, for no reason at all. Walkabout, what a movie, fantastic movie. Walkabout is the industry standard for frontal work. <laughs> Damn it, now I'm gonna have to look this one up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, uh, and and also by the way, not that she's in American Werewolf in London, but in that same coupling episode in that same scene they then talk about Britt Eklund who we've mentioned several times including oh, Dr. Mand. Yeah. <laughs> They're like oh oh Britt Britt Eklund. Eklund spells naked. Can I just mention the film The Wicker Man? The dance in the hotel room. It's the birth of my libido. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. This on the other night. I taped it. Let's all go to Patrick's. No no no. I was only six. I had seen parts of Britt Eklund that I couldn't even name. I was seven. I didn't even realize that television could do that. <laughs> so, anyway, kind of had to had had to get some coupling in there because they talk about Ginny Agutter and Agutter. It's Agutter, right? Agutter. I'm, I'm saying. Fuck, it, I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying it gutturally, but it's. I'm pretty sure it's Agutter. But anyway, uh, yeah, Nurse Alex. She she ends up having an affair with David. Invites him back to her place. Yeah, because well, he doesn't have anywhere to stay. But yeah, yeah, he's. <laughs> He's released. You know, I, I don't actually, from this point on, I just have some basic notes about the movie and like some music and, and, and various things. I wasn't okay. sure how much of the ending of the film you wanted to give away. We've already talked. The doctor starts to figure things out. So he goes to the, you know, off to the pub and talks to him and learns a little bit about what's going on and starts to believe that David's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, David's gone out and killed half a dozen people <laughs> yeah do you want to talk about the ending or or do you want to tell people they should go watch it and, and there are pieces in here that i've got that will fit in you know well i i kind of don't want to give away the ending okay. out, out, outside of saying that it's not happy true you know but it i mean that's that that's one of the things that makes it a horror movie is, well, is the ending yeah horror movies don't typically end well if you survive you've won you don't necessarily have a happy ending <laughs> right so i was going to make a, a note that the transformation scene the first time he transformed is mm -hmm. just awesome i mean it's dated uh, yeah but um it's fantastic I, it, even by today's standards it's still fantastic and i think a large part of that is because it was practical they had to make it they had to do it practical because computer generated effects didn't exist at that point no cgi <laughs> well I, I no i take that back they're, they're computer generated images existed but they were still very basic and and there's there was i mean there's no way you could have done that scene with it. um i i do know that um david naughton said that he actually shied away from doing more horror movies after this because of all the hours he had to spend in getting the the prosthetics applied the makeup applied and being in the makeup while they shot that scene over the course of a week and it's only on screen for about what five minutes man yeah I've, I've got sort of exact notes on the like his quote on that yeah i've got it coming up comparing it to something heavy metal <laughs> oh okay well, here it's okay it's perfect david Notton said it took six days to shoot the transformation which lasted two minutes on screen yeah he was in the makeup chair sometimes up to 10 hours a day before he would even get on set 
and and then I saw somebody else mention or somebody say that it took like two or three hours to get the makeup off. So yeah, yeah. two minute transformation, <laughs> ninety hours of work for him, just makeup on and off. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will say, watching this transformation, he does a great job of the pain and agony he's feeling. Yes, and, and after watching I, this, I realized that pain and energy expenditure the body goes through is exactly why a werewolf needs to fucking eat a dozen people after he transforms. <laughs> I mean, think of the calories you burn and, and the oh, pain's shit. not making you think logical. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Is the first Academy Award for a horror film. Yes. R Rick Baker won for Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and this was the first time that award had ever been given. Baker would win it seven times total having been nominated a record 11 times. I mean, he worked on all sorts of things. He worked on Exorcist, 1976's King Kong, um, Star Wars, A New Hope, the second unit. 1981's yep. The Howling, another werewolf film. Yes, and he, he actually, he started on The Howling, and Landis wanted him for American Werewolf. And he, he actually left the production of The Howling to go work with Landis. So part of the reason that the, the werewolf in this film is actually a quadruped as opposed to bipedal is because the werewolves in the howling were bipedal. I saw something about uh, how he wanted them to be bipedal, but Landis wanted a quadruped. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I, I, I don't know how much of that was because of the howling, but I, I think there was some of that, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that that's true too, is that Landis, kind of pushed a little bit more for the the quadruped and it was landis's you know i, I mean as director he's gonna have the last say on that so right yeah yeah and i i mean it works it does you know it's, yeah and, and one of the one of the things i like about it is less is more you know landis kind of took that approach to it that the less you see of the werewolf the the scarier it is i i agree with that so much so that some of those cheesy well we'll, we'll get to that in a minute <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Leave it to the person's imagination. Basically the, the, the puppet head that they had or the, the upper torso that they had, because I think it was the same. It, it, it was all the same thing. The, the werewolf puppet or whatever that they used for the, for the scenes after David becomes the werewolf was the same one that they used for the werewolf that attacked him and Jack. So in the scene it, where it's, it's trying to rip, about jack's throat and and griffin dunn is he's reaching up grabbing it trying to you know struggle with it to keep it from keep from dying he accidentally ripped the head off whoops <laughs> sorry so, so they had to fix that <laughs> they actually weren't even going to show it as much as they did and john landis was so impressed with the way it looked that he actually wound up showing more than he originally intended to but they still didn't show a whole lot i, I mean you know you see enough of it, you know, you get a pretty good look over the course of the movie, but, but it's, it's what it's, it's 96 minutes or something. It's, it's, it's a little over 90 minutes and David doesn't transform until an hour into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've read a few people talk about that and like, you have to wait fucking hour. And I'm thinking, no, that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it helped build the suspense. Well, there were other horrific things in between. Yeah. Not only the attack on the Moors by the first werewolf, but mm -hmm. David has horrible nightmares, which are freaky as fuck. Yeah. And he, um, his conversations with Jack the Undead. 
Um, can I can I jump in with my second beer real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, of course, your Sam Smith is probably a larger beer because my Zwanzig was 12 ounces. So I have finished mine. Uh-huh. And I'm now going to a beer from Great Lakes Brewing out of Cleveland, Ohio. And this is a sort of an Imperial Dunkelweizen because it's mm-hmm. 6.6. So it's a bit stronger. It's not hugely Imperial, but stronger than most Dunkels are. Yeah. It is called Beer Wolf. <laughs> and it's got a big-ass werewolf on the can. Chocolate, orange peel, and cold brew coffee at 6.6%. And I've had it once before. Loved it. Thought it would match. Anyway. And anyway, I, we can keep talking about the transformation stuff. I had one or two more notes about the actual guys who did it. Keep moving. Yeah, you were on a roll or something, I think. I just I just jumped in when I heard a small pause. No, 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 no. That's, um... By small pause, I mean a break in the conversation, not pauses <laughs> in the werewolf's big slashing naily things. I knew what you meant. Wanted to mention then, Rick Baker also worked on Michael Jackson's Thriller video. And if I remember right, it was because Michael Jackson saw this movie and he thought the effects were great and that's who he wanted. Yeah, not just Rick, but uh, Dick Smith also was helping with the special effects. Um, Also known for for me, uh, you know, he's been in a ton of things, but uh, I know him from 1981 Scanners. Yeah. Godfather. The Exorcist. Yeah. So you mentioned the werewolf head. Yes. So the... The final bit, well, here, I've got one little piece before this. The final bit was filmed in a Piccadilly Circus. Yes. Uh, it's a large it was, public. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was, uh, well, it was the first time they had allowed a film to shoot there for a long time. And I don't remember what the last one was before that. I don't either. I just know uh, since, since the 1960s. I, I'm not yeah. sure. But yeah, it's just a huge, large public space in London's West End where several roads meet. Kind of famous. Yeah. But do you know why John Landis got to film there? I did read that and I don't remember what it was, but there there was a reason. He got in good with the Metro Police by screening the Blues Brothers for them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that had right. been released in a 1980, which was written by Dan Aykroyd, who we talked about, and John Landis. Yep. I'm directed by Landis. So yeah, he yes. he screened it for the Metro Police and they loved it and gave him permission then to uh to shoot on in the area that scene part of the part of the one of the scenes that takes place there is iconic john landis it's when all hell breaks loose all the chaos all the car crashes obviously mannequins getting run over because yeah the the effects weren't always the best (laughs) no although one of the people getting thrown through a window was john landis think of the ending of national lampoon's animal house the homecoming parade and all the chaos that ensues there. The um, brothers with all the, that car the blues, chase. The, the blues brothers with the car chase and what at the time was the largest on-camera pile-up car wreck kind of thing, which was top in Blues Brothers 2000 by John Landis. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a hallmark of a John Landis film. <laughs> how, how they filmed the werewolf going after people was uh-huh. they held the werewolf's head on a lap of a guy sitting in a wheelchair and somebody just pushing that wheelchair. <laughs> uh, so good. <laughs> yeah. So there, there is something else about Piccadilly Cir- Circus that, that has to do with the film that I'm assuming mm-hmm. we can talk about, right? The, uh, the movie that he's in when Jack sees him for the last time. Yeah. Oh yeah. So David's trying to find things to do. 
ends up going to see a movie called See You Next Wednesday, which was foreshadowed when a previous victim in a subway stood still by a poster of this movie for a second or two. Yes. And, and this is actually a recurring gag in John Landis films. Yes. No, either scenes or ads, but the movie changes each time. It's not always, like in this case, pornographic. <laughs> uh, but, you know, sometimes it shows a, a rampaging gorilla, like in the Blues Brothers. But anyway, yes, David goes in to see, see you next Wednesday, billed as a nonstop orgy. He sees not only Jack in the desiccated haha, yes. version, but his victims recently. Mm-hmm. But the Lindsay Drew... One of the actors uh, was also a model, including being a page three girl, page three being topless female models that they would put in mainstream tabloids in, in England. Yes. And oh, my God, were those fantastic. But, but she actually was a real pornographic actress as well. Yes. Yes, she was. So anyway, uh, there's also a ad David sees when he's going through Alex's TV when she's at work, just hanging around. Yeah. Uh, Naughty Nina. Yes, and she was. She's actually a a singer. Yeah, uh, Nina Carter. She's also well known. Page three girl. Yep. Uh, she formed a musical group with fellow Page three girl Jilly Johnson, called Blonde on Blonde, whose most successful single was a cover of Led Zeppelin's "Whole Lot of Love." Wow, you did more research on that one than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I could not find the chart information, so I don't think it even charted. It was just their most popular. Yeah. The vinyl album shows the duo as a double-bodied snake with the snake tail starting around their knees. So from their knees up, they're human females naked and holding each other's asses with their breasts pressed up against each other, which could explain why they were quite popular in Japan and many other places. Otherwise, I have one more thing on the movie other than some folklore on silver, bit on the music, and a little metal something. Okay. The music, of course, you'll see trivia that says all the songs on the soundtrack have moon in the title. Bullshit. Yes. Don't. That's not true. Look up the soundtrack. They all don't have moon in the title. I saw that and I'm like, well, that's it. Because I knew CCR's Bad Moon Rising and Uh Sam Cooke's Blue Moon is there, but there are other songs. There is Blue Moon, Blue Moon, Moon Dance, Bad Moon Rising, Blue Moon, Rebel, Passport for Soho, Past, Present, Beyond. Cold Sweat, and Santa Lucia. Those don't have Moon in the title. I bet they've got it somewhere in the lyrics. Could have it in the lyrics. Not in the title. So when you see a bit of trivia, <laughs> weave it off. Not that I'm going to go through and listen to the soundtrack to see if Moon's anywhere in there. I don't give a shit. The main thing is the overall trivia you see is wrong. The tears are right. <laughs> Woo! But yeah, love, love Bad Moon Rising and Blue Moon. Love those songs. Yes. And other than the metal thing and the folklore, I love at the very, very end, all characters and events in the film are fictitious. Any similarity to actual events or persons living dead or undead is purely <laughs> coincidental. <laughs> that was that. And they congratulated Prince Charles and Diana Spencer, Prince Charles and Lady Diana, on their wedding because their wedding happened shortly before the movie came out. And there, there was a, there was a scene where David was trying to get arrested before he, you know, had to experience turning into a werewolf again so that he would be locked up when he transformed in which he's, he, he 
yelled out in the middle of a group of people, including a cop, Prince Charles is a faggot. And I don't like using that word, but that's the line. Well, that's the quote, yeah. yeah. Which is something you would say if you wanted to get arrested. Yeah, and he still couldn't get arrested. Right, still, yeah. Okay, not heavy metal, but musically, the Warren Zevon song, Werewolves of London, yes, came out before this movie. And it was based on a joke by Phil Everly of the Everly Brothers to Zevon in 1975 after Phil had watched the 1935 film Werewolf of London, where the werewolf actually maintained some human aspects of a dapper Englishman. So I really need to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When did that come out? The movie or the song? Yeah, the movie. Uh, the movie 1935. 1935, Werewolf of London. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. You can either pick or I'll pick what I do next. But if you have something you'd like to jump in on first, I'm good with that too. No, no, I think I'm good. Okay. So since we're doing music, I'll do music first. Mm-hmm. Ozzy Osbourne's Bark at the Moon. Yes. Would be released two years later, 1983. Yes. Uh, November 15th, 1983 versus American Werewolf in London's release date of August 21st, 1981. That's where I had it listed. <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. Uh, so Bark at the Moon, of course, is Ozzy transforming into a werewolf. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the eponym- uh, eponymous song, first single, and top spots in my country were 21 in the UK on the UK singles chart and 12 in the US on the mainstream rock chart. I want to point this out, not only because it's awesome heavy metal werewolf action, but that Ozzy's transformation beat Michael Jackson's thriller by around a month. So... Ha. Really? Yes. And uh, had a note that Ozzy spent eight hours in the makeup chair. And that's where I have David Naughton said it took six days and could take up to 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't do, you know, Ozzy spent eight hours in the makeup chair, was filmed in an old mental hospital where they found a pickled fetus in a jar. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah I, just, I just wanted to mention our heavy metal werewolf little bit there in conjunction with Thriller that we talked about and the amount of time in a makeup chair just like we did all right so i have a question for you and Uh this goes into the folklore silver silver is not mentioned anywhere and obviously the first werewolf who dies shot by all the the villagers on the moors probably just shotguns Uh just blasted to you know blasted away how do you feel about silver not being used i don't know i i was thinking though that one of the times that jack was telling david he needed to kill himself that David said something about using silver. I I could be wrong. I actually don't remember that. I actually listened for silver after the first one. um, When when the first werewolf that you see, the one that attacked him, when it dies, I listen. I don't remember that. That doesn't mean I missed it. You know, right? Yeah, I don't. I I I won't say for sure that that was in there, but I was thinking it was, but it may not have been. But I I thought it was. I thought it was odd that they did not make use of you know needing silver to kill the werewolf but i was also not bothered by it it just i i i noticed it but i was okay with it no yeah i I was i was fine yeah there's something i found and i'll get to the folklore in a second there's something about using silver bullets on the werewolves Mm -hmm. um, and stuff so it could kind of be a franchise and landis told him there's not going to be a sequel yeah there there was a sequel (laughs) There I was. Think, I don't think Landis had anything to do with it, though. Um, he he did not, but um, I I do have some information uh, regarding something more recent. So okay, well, cool. Uh, but, tell you what, um, you want to do that, that or that, you want me to do the folklore? Uh, do, do the folklore because mine can can wait. 
and this is all silver stuff. So uh, I agree that enough weaponry will kill a werewolf, werewolf without a silver bullet, even though I like the idea of silver being used against evil creatures. Because seriously, if you blow somebody away with a bazooka, I don't give a shit. You're not coming back. It's that, it's that master molecule. I'll give you a master molecule. <laughs> 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 So I, I do, I, I did love the folklore of the victims being ghostly, mostly unseen dead, except to each other and, mm-hmm. and to the werewolves. Because one of Jack's lines is, if you ever talk to the undead, David, they're boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so until the werewolf's bloodline is extinct. And, and I do have a note here, the American Werewolf in Paris sequel, which is nominally a sequel because it does use characters based off of characters in this original. Mm-hmm. Uh, the attacking werewolf's heart has to be ripped out and eaten to end it. So it's a little, it's a little different. I've not watched it. I read up on it a little bit while making these notes. I saw it when it came out and I really don't remember much just that I saw it. It wasn't as good as this one. I I looked into why silver is used against werewolves. Okay, cool. And and actually it's um, lycanthropes in general really not just werewolves in anywhere yeah. something yeah all 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 yeah i was gonna say all wear creatures yeah big yeah, and, and small and... <laughs> all god's creatures great and small scorpions and it's <clears throat> all things on. dull and ugly also every sperm is sacred <laughs> 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 so the, the the ones that made the most sense to me on mm-hmm. silver are uh silver has the properties of the moon, just like the sun has properties of gold, supposedly. So it's used against those who turn at the full moon. And, and that's based that. off of, yeah, and this is actually based off of metals of antiquity, where gold is the sun on Sunday, silver, the moon on Monday, iron, Mars on Tuesday, which makes sense for weapons with Mars and Tyr, Mercury for Mercury on Wednesday, which for some reason, Odin, Woden's Day, He's always matched up with Mercury, which makes no sense to me because he should be matched up with Zeus, but that's, I'm going to let it go. (laughs) Fucking Romans. (laughs) So anyway, the metals of antiquity. So silver on the moon and on moon day, Monday. Okay. Uh, And there's maybe a little interpretation of a silver bullet being the magical thing that is helpful, like a medicinal silver bullet it doesn't have to be silver it's called a silver bullet but it's a something that fixes something uh, the next one i think is plausible is it's a misinterpretation of silver bullets killing a beast not because they were silver but they were silver medallions of the virgin mary melted down and it was the sacred bullet from virgin mary a term used by bram stoker in a dracula story called dracula's guest that has the vampire in the form of a wolf being harmed or killed by a sacred bullet. And it just happened to be made out of something that was silver. I have that story. It was actually, it was a chapter that he wrote to be included in Dracula and decided to cut it out. Nice. Yeah. It, 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 it takes place before the rest of the story, but it, it, it leads up to the story. So it would have, I guess it would have kind of been the first chapter and then he cut it out. Moving on, because I'm almost done. Yeah. Uh, Silver, and and this is sort of going from where I think it's more plausible to less plausible. Uh, Silver is a pure metal, 
which is why vampires can't use silver-backed mirrors, although they can't use modern ones either. And we talked about this in one of our vampire episodes where I'm going with they don't have a soul, which is why they don't cast a reflection, which is also why we know animals have souls. Fuckers. Then why do I cast a reflection? Oh, you have a soul. Dark. <laughs> it's pitch black. But it's there. But, 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 but shouldn't I see a void when I look in a mirror? No, no, you still got it. I mean, you haven't sold your soul. In fact, you have this weird thing about, fuck, no, I'm not selling my soul to the devil. Yeah, you, you got snippy with me a couple of times when I suggested going up to the crossroads. No. <laughs> so I, I know you have a soul. It's just pitch black, but it's there. Anyway. So you can see the outside. Now, if it's you want me to, inside. yeah, if you want me to cut you while we're in front of a mirror. <laughs> okay, one more line here. Silver is <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Silver is an antimicrobial, and it actually is used in modern medicine as such. And perhaps lycanthropy is transmitted by microbes through the saliva, and silver blocks that and this is the furthest down on my bullshit of why silver <laughs> the things i looked up of why why silver hurts um i saw this one i'm like yeah yeah silver's used in medicine this one's bullshit but you but know does it, it but does it um okay so it's an antimicrobial wouldn't that be a, wouldn't it be a virus that's transmitted through the saliva would uh, that still it, would, would silver still affect a virus i don't know if it's a virus i mean do you know lycanthropy is a virus I don't. I'm, I'm speculating that that would be the more modern scientific reason for why. But I'm going to go with that as another episode because I've got my shit done and I'm going to see what else you have. <laughs> um, okay, I got one more thing. In August 2016, several reports suggested that Max Landis, son of director John Landis, was considering remaking the film. In November 2016, Deadline Hollywood reported that Max Landis would write and direct a remake. December 2017... Max Landis confirmed on Twitter that he had completed the first draft of the script. Uh, the, so there is a reboot con- currently being developed. The, the, the latest thing was November 2019, Variety reported that Robert Kirkman, creator of the Walking Dead comic book series, was in consideration to serve as a producer for a new reboot of An American Werewolf in London. We'll see. I, I don't know why they have to do a remake, honestly. I don't either. But, yeah, maybe it'll be good. Well... It was successful the first time. Surely it'll be successful the second time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know. Cool. Well, hope you enjoyed this one on our spooky season. Yeah. You should uh, share this with other people, you know. Yes. Mostly for us, but sure, for John Landis, too, even though he's a millionaire. Yeah. I mean, definitely getting... check this movie out I, if you've never seen it this this was a really good movie i highly recommend it very excellent yeah i, I mean 40 years old and, and the effects still hold up and and dialogue is fantastic yeah it's it's a really it's a really great movie the, the humor is hilarious yep jody's right go watch it yes and share us with people on facebook twitter spotify itunes amazon we're all over the damn place. Yeah, have you listened to our episodes? We're all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you get to go though. I'm, I'm great. <laughs> I'm great to go, baby. <laughs> I've, been, I've been drinking this Samuel Smith. <laughs>
<laughs> there was a slight slur there in the Samuel Smiths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on that, we'll let y'all go. It's spooky season, so we'll be back sooner than usual. Yes. But until then, I'm James. I'm Jody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Werewolves in London. Loosen up the pipes. Me, 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 me. Figaro. Figaro, 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 Figaro. Sorry. I've always wondered if that alum powder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now for something completely different. Pornography. Because <laughs> I think I always started eponymous, and I'm like, that's not it. It's a ep- no, it's, it's eponymous, yeah. It's eponymous. So what did what what did they what did they do before um, before guns? A silver suppository. <laughs> Bullet, early 16th century, denoting a cannonball from okay. French boulet meaning yeah. a small ball, diminutive of boule from Latin bulla, bubble. Huh. Speaking of which, we can harken back to a Monty Python episode that may have aired or may come after this because of how it came out of Terry Jones taking off his jock strap and getting a small stone and killing a radioactive mutant penguin. <laughs> yep.